Welcome to the Innovative Accountant Podcast, presented by Integrated Advisory by Wealthco. Join today's host and CPA, Tim Coldwell, for thought-provoking ideas, information, and best practices from leading experts focused on supporting the accounting profession and the integrated advisory community. We have a wonderful guest with us today, so let's get started. Welcome back to this edition of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Coquell, and we have a very special episode for you today. We're going to be focusing on leveraging technology to provide better financial advice, how technology is changing the financial advisory client experience, how technology is helping integrate advisory teams across the country, and how Canada's largest financial institutions are leveraging technology to improve that experience. Uh, we have a, the perfect guest for us today. We've got Stacy Houston with us, joining us from Kelowna. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. So, Stacy, uh, you know, I've known you for a number of years. I uh, got to know you through your Manulife days and uh, working with Wealthco and doing some mutual client work. I know a lot about your background. You've had a very uh, successful, inspirational career, and I'd like to share a little bit of that with our audience today, if, if you're okay with that. Sure. Just let them know a bit about what uh, what your background is. So, so Stacy uh, has uh, spent over 15 years in the retail and small business banking sector in Canada with Manulife, teaching financial advisors and clients how banking strategies can augment a financial plan. She joined Conquest Planning recently as their VP of Sales and Marketing to democratize access to financial plans globally. Uh, Conquest believes in uh, leveraging the best that technology has to offer to enable advisors to get more people into financial plans. Stacy travels, I think, around the country today, meeting with large financial institutions, helping them elevate their technology through Conquest's proprietary offering. She has an MBA from Royal Roads University, extended education and building organizational cultures from Harvard, and has volunteered for various boards and children's education opportunities throughout her career. Uh, most importantly, Stacy is the wife of a pilot, a mother of three, a fitness enthusiast, and a very passionate professional dedicating to improving people's well-being through deepening their financial literacy. So... Obviously, uh, Stacey, you've had a very uh, well-rounded career, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You make it sound so fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're the one that did it, so. (laughs) No, I don't know about that. Anyhow. Anyways, so I I thought maybe, Stacey, where we'd start is... um, Usually with our guests, I try and get a, a sense of what drove them to where they're at. You know, why the finance business? Uh, you, you, you mentioned uh, helping people with their financial literacy. Why is that so important to you? What, where does that passion come from? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I initially actually wasn't planning to get into financial services. You mentioned my love for fitness. That was very young, 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 young. I got into fitness. I played all the sports in high school. I think it kept me out of trouble. I had a lot of energy and my mom, if I was having a bad day, she would actually ship me out the door to go to the gym to make sure I was getting my energy out. It was a positive solution to my otherwise, you know, high, high energy and sometimes uncontrollable behavior that she may have had to deal with. Um, but I thought I'd go into sports medicine and um, uh, because I want to play sports, but I can figure out a way as a female to make a lot of money doing that uh, in Canada. And so I, I went into actually kinesiology and I took a business course that I fell in love with and, uh, and moved into an accounting major actually and started to go down the path of financial services. Um, but very early on after applying to CASB at the time and doing a bit of work with BDO Dunwood, Uh, 
um, I don't want to do another notice to reader report or review <laughs> engagement and walk down the hallway to the partner to have my work work checked again. So I ended up actually pivoting my career and going and getting my uh, insurance and investment license, the CSC or my IROC licensing at the time uh, and moved into financial advising. And the reason I think it was so passionate for me and something that I really wanted to pursue was, um, you know, I grew up in a household that was so abundant with love and with support. And, uh, and I was taught that I could achieve and be anything I wanted to be, but, uh, we didn't have a ton of economic resources due to a variety of circumstances. And so finding a way to advise people on how to manage money and how to, you know, pursue better efficiencies in their, um, situations was something that just resonated with me and um, eventually ended up at Manulife and had a long, great career there. And uh, it exposed a lot of opportunity for me to not only talk about financial literacy and drive expanded psychological perspectives in the advisory space around, you know, different solutions for and clients, uh, but it also exposed the opportunity for me to volunteer to teach financial literacy in uh, our education system in our school system so uh yeah so it's been it's been a work in progress over my life but that's kind of the coles notes version of what drove it love that and uh i did not know you had uh, dabbled in accounting and uh, i fully understand some of those challenges <laughs> as do uh, our accounting audience that are listening here today and so yeah very well-rounded uh, sort of experience uh, talk, talk about manulife i mean manulife was a great uh, a great org is a great organization and uh, you worked with them for over 15 years so what was the what did you enjoy most about the time you spent at manulife yeah, what a great company. I mean, I could talk for hours about what I enjoyed most, everything from, you know, the people to the organization. So I work specifically in the bank division. So how I ended up working there was I was uh, in Kelowna and I was a financial advisor at uh, RBC Dominion Securities and IA there. And I was new. I We just moved to Kelowna. I'd been here three months and a friend of mine said, hey, Manulife is looking for this position. Uh, you'd be great at it because I did a lot of consulting with uh, clients on how to consolidate debt and free up cash flow and use that money then to invest or to purchase insurance to protect what their needs were. And um, I remember thinking at the time, like I just started with RBC, like I've got this great opportunity. It's like the penthouse office of the built Tallis building in Kelowna. And that was really cool to me. And, um, and I had this, this friend saying, Hey, Manulife's looking, you should look at it. And I had never heard about the Manulife One account uh, prior to that time. And so I started investigating and it blew my mind. And I was like, the whole world product. hear about this. It's a great product. It, um, you know, it, it has all kinds of benefits and scalability across a variety of different use cases for Canadians. And so it was just a really easy transition for me. And, and once in the Manulife ecosystem, I was able to represent that product and work with a bunch of independent advisors for many years and then was fortunate to move into special projects and worked with them at leading their alternate mortgage solutions strategy and then was promoted into a leadership role and was fortunate to look after kind of sales and distribution for Western Canada for seven years. So. Yeah. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's been, it, you know, obviously in your original uh, Manulife One days, we'd worked on a few, I think, clients mm -hmm. together and what a, what a great product, but that organization provides so many other uh, 
uh, other things of value. And it was just interesting to see your career evolve through there. And, and you have such great success. Talk, talk about, uh, let's talk about conquest. So, yeah. you know, that was a little bit of a surprise for, for some and, and looking at uh, that transition here in the short term, what really drove you to conquest? Why, why the change? It's a good question. Um, when when I found out I was going to be looking for a new opportunity um, uh, beyond Manulife, I, you know, I, I, I had this Saturday morning um, brain trust group and we used to meet on Saturday mornings. We would talk about, you know, dreams for changing the industry and, you know, how difficult it was to originate a mortgage and, you know, all the documentation collection and trying to, you know, chase down clients to get all these documents in order to do something that's great for them. And so we would bring articles and like actually brainstorm about, you know, how could it be better and who's do who's impacting in the space? And we would talk about these things because it was a passion of ours, innovation and in financial services, just overall, uh, whether it be, you know, on the debt and lending side or on the asset side of it. And, and uh, so out of that, a lot of times in our discussions, power corp would come up. And so I talked to a friend of mine here in Kelowna, uh, Brett, who was sitting on the FP Canada board at the time. And I just asked him if he knew anyone at power corp, I could talk to. And of course he did. He sat on the board with the vice president and, and they referred me in there. And um, just through a variety of conversations throughout that ecosystem, I was introduced to conquest planning. And when I saw what they were doing and how they were impacting the space and the very early successes they were having, uh, it was the same feeling I had when I discovered Manulife One. and was like, this will explode massively. There's a huge opportunity. There's a big gap in the market from an experience standpoint for serving up advice and how to bridge the human given advice gap with digital technologies that can scale and make that advice accessible to a variety of individuals. So uh, so I talked to Brad, who's the chief revenue officer and was introduced to him and we just, you know, it was a good match and, and we moved forward with that. So it happened yeah. very quickly. <laughs> That's very exciting. And, uh, you know, obviously you, 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 thinking into the future and thinking about where the industry is going and and taking uh, actions to sort of to find uh, find that opportunity that's that's fantastic um let's let, let's talk about conquest so how how did it get started you you know it, it's fairly new and in the space so talk about its roots and uh maybe the team that uh, is involved in conquest today yeah, I love the legacy of Conquest and kind of the story behind it, because it's not just your, you know, run of the mill fintech with some individual who had a great idea and is going to execute it. Uh, it's got a very uh, deep pedigree, our history. So Dr. Mark Evans is our our president and CEO, and he founded a company in the early 90s called EISI, and that was on the heels of completing his doctorate in computer science at the University of Manitoba um, in the late 80s, and if you can believe it, he did his thesis on distributed artificial intelligence in the late 80s. So AI's been around a long time. It's the application wow. of AI today that is so impactful, 
And so they went on to develop a platform called Navaplan, and Navaplan became one of the leading financial planning tools in North America. Uh, and they they built it and they continued to architect that platform until 2011, where they had an exit. And while they were, uh, after they got out of the business, I mean, he did very well with it. He didn't need to come back into the space, but some of the original uh, founding crew were kind of watching the industry and feeling frustrated with the fact that all of the planning tools in the marketplace were built on this legacy systems. Uh, they were hard to modernize, so brittle in their architecture. And they identified an opportunity to really come back to market and do something that nobody else had done before. So bridging that human ability and what's great about advisors and how advisors deliver advice, but augment it with technical capabilities and digitization through artificial intelligence to sort of bring the best of forward into the market. And so in 2018, they got together and started coding out of the basement and uh, and Conquest Planning was born. And since that time in 2020, we, they stood up there, we stood up our first client uh, in IG Wealth Management. Um, great partnership. We're very, very grateful for that partnership. And they've integrated us into their ecosystem for their living plan portal. And uh, since that time, you know, it's just been it's been gangbusters ever since so well and that's tied into your edition likely because i'm looking at uh you know all the all the uh, stir in the market and lots of globe and mail articles and press releases on different different groups joining you and raising more capital and and uh very exciting times and i know you're you're spending uh, your days getting the story out there and speaking with uh with different organizations We are going to get back to the interview in just a moment. If you're listening to this episode of the podcast and wondering what you can do today to transform your CPA practice, I have a free resource I want to share with you. It's called the Integrated Advisory Video Series. This eight-part video series shares our learnings over the past 20 years of how successful accounting firms are increasing revenue by offering a more holistic service offering to their clients. You will walk away with a firm understanding of the immediate changes that are happening in the accounting industry and the impact that they will have on your firm in the future. How successful independent accounting firms are broadening their service offerings and offering a better client experience without increasing their billable hours. And how you can become your client's most valued advisor by being at the core of their wealth management team. To get access to this free eight-part video series, visit integratedadvisory.ca. That's integratedadvisory.ca to learn how you can grow your firm without burning out or increasing your billable hours. Visit integratedadvisory.ca and get free access to the video series today. Now back to our guest. Let's talk about Conquest's ideal client. Like, who are you? You mentioned IG. Who are you partnering with? Who Who are you focused on today in terms of providing solutions to? Great question. Initially, our go-to-market strategy was really large enterprises, so any financial services institution um, that would have planning capability needs from a technology standpoint. That was, you know, our initial go-to-market strategy, and we stayed fairly true to that. But there's this big, there's about 90,000 based on um Uh, some recent reports that we were reading, there's about 90,000 advisors in Canada and about uh, 30,000 of them fall into this independent advisor bucket. 
So you've got sort of the big banks and there's a bunch of advisors that work for big banks and large financial institutions. You have firms like IG Wealth Management that have a network of consultants that they're working with. And then you have sort of this ecosystem of uh, individual networks. So you've got IROC dealers and portfolio management shops and mutual fund dealers and MGAs and then, you know, the agents there that that contract in from an independent standpoint. So we we our direct go to market strategy was these enterprises and and we still have a very great use case there. But over the last year, we've been presented with a number of opportunities specifically in uh, the group space. So recently you saw an announcement with Sun Life. So mm-hmm. our ability Exciting. because our technology is scalable, we have this ability to power and experience for say a group plan member so a member direct experience where they could log into a portal and get some light planning advice that's directed to that individual and hyper personalized because we can grab all those data points on them and serve up something that makes sense for them and then we can move that client up to a more hybrid advice model where maybe they get some you know over the phone advice from from an advisor somewhere and move them then up into a more full full advised fully advised um, situation, uh, but but because of how the technology is architected, our our implications are just expanding. We read a we read an article recently. Um, the FCAC actually is uh, launching their phase two of a, a national financial literacy strategy, and it's a strategy that's going to run from 2021 to 2026. And at a government level, there's a a want and a need to improve Canadians' ability to understand the impact of their financial decisions. And so the software that we've built really has this broad application of use cases across the way um, to be able to power these experiences from a variety of different different interactions. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, our goal and our vision is to democratize, you mentioned it earlier, but I'll I'll repeat it because it's worth repeating, but to democratize access to financial advice for all. Because there's these barriers, right? If you think about traditional advice model in Canada, we have a huge number of our Canadian citizens that don't qualify for that advice because their economic level isn't big enough to get really good advice from professionals um, because it costs too much or the professional has to allocate their time to, you know, individuals who have the resources to fund their... can afford it. Yeah. So, um, so being accessible through these different ways is really driving our vision to get people into better, well-rounded perspectives on the impact of their financial decisions today to their future selves. That's very cool. I, I love the, uh, group benefits example that you gave in terms of that gap. You know, we've talked on the Wealth Coast side with our company, we've talked about that gap for a long time in terms of you've got this group of people in the world that, you know, a lot of their savings is just into, you know, they're fortunate they've got a maybe a group a savings plan or something like that with their employer. And maybe that's the only thing that they're able to save into yeah. um, based on their budget and whatever. But that's the challenge. If they're putting in $50 a month or $100 a month and they're trying to get that built up, what financial planning do they have access to? And a lot of the, 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 you know, the, the legacy models, as you say, they're just not structured to be able to deliver that type of advice. So very cool that you guys are uh, making some inroads there and uh, making a difference. So that that's fantastic. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, 
you know, what that experience is like, like you've, you've got people saying yes to this, you know, there's obvious reasons for that. What are they like the, the, the tech itself? Let's talk a little bit about your platform, why it's, why it's capturing some of these, these large organizations attention, you know, what support do you provide to these firms? Cause obviously with anything technology based, it's also the, the follow up and the continual improvement that you guys are speaking to. So talk a little bit about that experience. Sure. Um, so yes, people are saying yes, and we've been fortunate that nobody has said no. We've been undefeated to date in every RFP. That's awesome. Dated in, so I should I should knock on wood, and you know that is that is a nod to the very uh, deep experience that our founding team has and the good job that they've done. Um, understanding our market and tailoring our solution to that market. But the reasons why firms are choosing us over any anybody else in the space is uh, first and foremost, that scalability. So we have that ability to serve up digital advice, which is um, a very complex algorithm to build something that is optimized to Canadian tax code for both personal and corporate purposes and serve up digital advice that would be relevant to the individual. That is not a small feat, but our technology has successfully accomplished that. Uh, a second is our the ability of the tool to provide um, what-if analysis and stochastic modeling through a variety of circumstances that's not just technical from a Monte Carlo standpoint, but also real life impact. So what you end up with is something that is very complex. Finances are very complex for most of us. The impact of our decisions are very complex and very stressful in most circumstances. Uh, but we've provided a solution that simplifies it and makes it uh, understandable and simple language. So that is a hard thing to do, but a very successful thing to do if, if you can deliver that well. So we've removed that trial and error that's associated with traditional planning um, and made it much more efficient for both advisors to create plans as well as and clients to understand them. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, you know, we, we are one of your yeses on the wealth goal side through our integrated advisory community that's contributing to that 100%. We feel very grateful to be part of that. We're not the, the size of the organizations that you're accustomed to dealing with. But that's exactly, you know, when we looked at it on our team, the simplicity of it. Um, it is really what's most important from our perspective and being able to help people visualize you know, those, the impact of their decisions and, yeah. you know, so let, let's talk a little bit about that in the past. So what was that experience like? Like when we, when we, when we look backwards, what were financial, you know, NaviPlan, you mentioned it as an example, there's a number of them, Snap, uh, FP Solutions. So what were their flaws? Like, why is this different today? Uh, well, I'll, I'll maybe just talk about our strengths and, and yeah. why it's different. And, and um, the, the other third fundamental reason I think that people and firms are choosing us unanimously um, in these integrations is because of the power of our integration and the modern architecture of our technology. So we are built on a completely open API interface. So we, we um, have the ability to plug and play and power in, like we will white label. We don't care if you know, Conquest name is showing up or not, but we want to be the driving engine behind all of these planning tools. And what's most powerful um, about that from a technology and also a competitive advantage, if you will, what we, what we do really well is 
power experiences. And the one thing that is common with every financial services firm, not just in Canada, but globally right now, is that we're going through this period of modernization where we're trying to create digital ecosystems. So if you think about traditionally, the architecture of firms is we had individual systems. So just think about like, I don't know, my when I first started at Manulife, I took a paper application, I wrote in the paper application, I faxed that application into my underwriting team. They took it, they pulled a credit report, they, they ordered the appraisal, they then UPS the documents back out to me because we needed a wedding signature. I wedding signatured it and I UPS it back to them. So everything was very manual. So we had these individual systems to create work. And I talked about earlier about artificial intelligence and how it's been around since it has like the 60s. Um, it is it is today's day and age where the converging technologies, it's the convergence of technologies. So things like blockchain and, and artificial intelligence being able to come together to create new ecosystems that are fueling the future of how we get things done, whether it be, you know, how we Uber, like get a car, how we book our hotels to how we run our finances, how we get a mortgage, how we get tax advice, all of those things along the way. So, so what we do really well, that third piece of, of differentiation is that integration and the ability to actually consult with firms and understand what experience they're trying to build either for their employees, for their partners, independent advisors, or for end consumers when we have an understanding of what experience they're trying to deliver through agile methodologies and journey mapping sessions and persona development, we can then actually uh, plug and play in our tool to help power those experiences. And so from an enterprise level, if you think about the big banks, how many divisions that they have, or from, you know, even these other, you know, ecosystems in the independent space that are trying to model the RIA models of the U.S. that have been, you know, they're about seven years ahead of us in in implementation and getting these out the door. All that is is a connected ecosystem of technology that's speaking to each other so that we as people going through those experiences don't have to go through the cumbersome like, oh, I got to upload my documents yet again to another mm-hmm. place or email them to another place to actually get to the end solution. And then delivering the feedback mechanisms like apps like Noom do really well because it gives like digestible advice that we can understand and it takes into account the behavioral psychology as well um, of how we do things and how we make changes. And so it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but the, the ultimately it's the convergence of those technologies empowering these ecosystems, these enterprise-level digital ecosystems, uh, which are applicable right up the chain from an independent advisor all the way up to, you know, massive conglomerates. We have the ability to do that in a really seamless way. That's very cool. Um, you know, I, a lot of the banks have invested. You see their their bank online banking models and, you know, they're already starting to nudge you and, you know, start to actually make use of the data and, you know, provide meaningful advice or at least meaningful touch points with their clients. But as you say, that that financial planning piece, the ability to model out the future and help people really learn and, and take take action hasn't been connected with that. So I think what I heard in that answer was that they're starting to sort of pull these pieces together so that clients have the ability to go and leverage some financial planning tools as part of that experience and then also 
uh, it's giving the advisors within those organizations the ability to work with the client in that in that vein. Um, it, you know, let's talk about you know account aggregation data. You know, one of the challenges in, in my experience in dealing with financial planning in the past is that it was always very state static. The data you'd you know you you'd go through this event where you would collect the data. And then, you know, you'd get all the paperwork as you described and, and go through that, build a net worth statement, you know, look at some things and then you'd model it out. But then 10 minutes after you left, it was wrong. <laughs> so how is that changing? Like it, you, you talked about it being open source and how that's working. Explain that a little bit and what Conquest is able to do and, and make uh, things more real time. Yeah, it's a great question and one I love to talk about because I just see the possibilities of the future. I actually get goosebumps talking about it. Do you see the <laughs> because I just see this future that is so much more efficient than the experience we live today. So uh, imagine a world where we have, you know, an app on our phone that aggregates everything in our financial lives, whether it be our insurance, our investments, our needs. As, as Canadians, historically, our, the, uh, the, our advice has been uh, fragmented. So we go here for, we go to accountant for information on our taxes. We go to a lawyer for estate planning and, and other needs. We go to a financial advisor for anything to do with our uh, wealth portfolio. We go to an insurance advisor for anything to do insurance. But as a Canadian, I might not be expert in any of those things. So I'm getting fragmented advice if all of those things aren't talking together. So imagine a world where the value of each of these professionals can be amalgamated together into a unified spot so that me as an individual citizen or a like an entity have a holistic viewpoint of how all of these things are integrating together and what the impact is on me, not only today, but that's going to determine when I can retire and how much I can retire with. And, you know, actually look at that. There's been a movement over the years of, you know, goals-based planning and assigning portfolios and returns on portfolios to a specific objective that we set out. But there's a fundamental problem with goals-based planning. And it's the fact that most of us don't know what to set as the goal in the first place, right? So we sit down with our advisor and when do you want to retire? I don't know, 65. Great. Why 65? <laughs> Sounds like the right answer. Know. We could talk a whole <laughs> podcast just on the 65 number and why we think we all have to retire at 65. You can retire whenever you want. Whenever you have enough means to fund whatever you need for the rest of your life, you can retire. It doesn't have to be age specific, but we built our you know pension programs and all these things around that. Uh, but I, I think that that integration is so powerful when we can bring together an environment where we have a very clear sight line and simple understandable language um, that that integration and that aggregation of bringing in real-time data becomes a living plan so that it can do you mentioned nudges you know nudges are great and you're right all of the big banks are building them and so they should and they're doing a, a, a great job at starting to navigate down that path. But the problem is most of us Canadians don't just have all our accounts at one institution. We right. have multiple different institutions. So if we don't have a way to sort of uh, aggregate that data, then we don't have a holistic viewpoint, which means there's gaps in, in whatever advice we're getting. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's so interesting. And I want to segue that into a bit of the Canadian environment, the regulatory environment, uh, you know, uh, most professional organizations today are trying to create integration. 
Like that's the theme, which I'm so excited about as you get passionate about that. I do as well. It's, it's trying to break down the silos. It's trying to not force clients to be the project manager and let them do and live the life they want to live. And, and so it's so cool to hear you talk about that and how conquest is sort of fitting in and trying to work that we, we have a bit of a crystal ball and we rarely do. And it's sort of South of the border. And what, what has been frustrating to me over the last decade is that, you know, you look at the United States account aggregation, you talk about all these different accounts and how collecting that data. Um, well, you know, in other parts of the world, they've been doing that for a long time. The banking system was structured to allow that to happen. Talk a little bit about what's changing there in Canada, um, because that's in the past, at least from my perspective and understanding, that was a big roadblock. What 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 has changed to allow this to sort of move in that direction now? Sure. I think what we're seeing beyond Canadian borders is the fact that it's been passed into law that consumers own their data and consumers have a right to that data. And there's been numerous different white papers in Canada written on the same. So we saw in Australia and Britain um, the, the ability or the requirement uh, at a law level for institutions to relinquish data on individual consumers when the individual consumer requests uh, that data. And so when that's in law, it gives the ability for these connected ecosystems to be powered uh, without any friction. Um, In Canada, those experiences are still possible today. There is aggregation services available. Uh, It's just not mandated in, uh, you know, by law yet, although there's been a lot of conversation. I know we're not talking about open banking here today. There has been a lot of discussions and conversation around open banking and the impact. I think it's been re-coined consumer-directed finance um, uh, here in Canada. Uh, but what's cool for us is uh, we still have the ability to process and complete aggregation even in today's environment um, with with consumers' consent and, and the ability to partner with companies like Flinks. You have seen our partnership with Flinks we announced not too long ago. And they've made many different connection points across the financial ecosystem in Canada so that we can still ingest that information and provide a really good output for the users of our platform. That's, yeah, that is, uh, I mean, that was a big part of why I know on our end, we, when we were looking at what you're doing and flanks and the opportunity there, uh, very, very powerful. And that, that, that will dramatically change the client experience, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ability to, uh, have real time data and have that information that isn't this big exercise and feels like homework all the time, every time you're talking to clients. And then more importantly, it's going to allow advisors in real time to give better advice. And, you know, you don't have to wait to a a quarterly review to kind of get to that stage. So very cool that you guys are driving forward with that. Um, Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the regulatory environment. Um, Let's talk, let's shift gears and talk about, we talked about artificial intelligence, robo-platforms. You know, people are sensitive to that. They're worried about this, you know, world where robots run the world and, you know, where do humans fit in this? It doesn't matter what industry you're in. That's sort of a discussion point. As it relates to financial planning, where do you see that? What, what, is, what, is, the, what is the role of technology you know, artificial intelligence, where do humans fit in financial planning and wealth management as you see going forward? I've done several 
public speaking engagements over the years. And in recent years, we did, um, in partnership with uh, one of my colleagues at Manulife, we developed a presentation called Grandmas on Facebook. And during the Grandmas on Facebook session, I asked people to think about where they were 20 years ago and actually at their earliest childhood memories. It could have been 50 years ago or 60 years ago. And think about somebody coming up to you at that time and saying, you know, at some point in your lifetime, you'll be able to hold a device in front of your face and speak real time, visually face to face with your family who's overseas, or that you'd be able to talk to your wrist and say, uh, Siri, order me new toilet paper, you know, and it'll show up on your doorstep or what's the weather in Dubai. And it will speak back to you and tell you what the weather is on the other side of the world and what your thought pattern would be. And people would say like, they would think about Dick Tracy, you know, remember the radio on the watch and that was so modern or the Jetsons or these things. I, I follow this futurist called Garrett Leonard and he talks about the future doesn't just happen. It gets happened. We make it happen. It's, it's the innovation and the tinkerers and the toy makers that make the future happen. And so in terms of that innovation and technology and the role of the advisor, sometimes I'm sensitive when I speak to advisors and sometimes I'm just brazen and say it how it is and with the risk that I might offend somebody. Uh, but I'm very passionate about this requirement to be open arm to technology, not fearful of it. I don't think we as humans are designed to live in fear, operate in fear. And I don't think it does anything to better anybody's business. I think it borderlines ignorance when we're not actually investigating what's happening and looking out of our business rather than just working in our business. And so the sometimes what I was saying I'm sensitive around the role of technology or the role of the advisor and using that robo advice. Or I have been to presentations where I've seen senior leaders say robo advice will never take take impact and won't have any impact at all on your business. Well, if you look at the stats on, you know, if that were true, Robin Hood might yeah. have taken off and well, simple wouldn't have been the first unicorn in Canada. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, people like self-serve functionality. Um, but what's interesting for that futurist that I follow, Garrett, he talks about um, the fact that the value that we bring to the table are the human centered value that technology can't do. So we talked about earlier about this human centered, digitally enabled experience. Mm -hmm. That is incredibly powerful. So you think about human centered, we're having a conversation here today. I'm a real extrovert and love people. One of the biggest challenges with the pandemic is not seeing people face to face, but video has to do for now. Uh, but we crave interaction with other humans and we can provide comfort to other humans and we can provide direction to other humans and we can provide, you know, uh, uh, confirmation that the decision we're making is the right decision and give us like, that's the value of advice that advisors give. And that is crucially important. And that is not going away anytime soon because robots can't do that. No. However, what robots can do better than anybody else is rebalance a portfolio automatically faster than any human's brain can or compute you know 29 million there are 29 million possible iterations of start dates that you could take your cpp your oas and your rsp that's not value added for the advisor that's just like a number that can be run by a calculation engine but how that's delivered and how that's brought to a client and how it's communicated to a client to me that's where the value comes in for the value of advice it's it's um it's us identifying what that value is and how we're bringing it to the table and 
understanding that when we are open to technology and adopting technology, it actually makes us more valuable and we can help more families get better advised. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, mindsets are changing and, and need to change. So I completely agree with that. Um, and I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think, you know, at least at this point, we're replacing the emotional human connection. You know, mm-hmm. it, a lot of financial planning is decision trees. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that, I think technology can do uh, with the right algorithms and parameters built. But the reality is people are still making decisions based on that one-on-one and that personal connection. Um, and sometimes, you know, they need to be pushed. Sometimes their mindsets need to be changed. No, no different than, as you said, ours do on technology. So yeah, it, it'll be an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting decade here to see how uh, platforms like Wealthsimple and, and uh, the leveraging of Conquest sort of works out as we move forward. Um, let, let's let's talk a little bit about let's flip it back to the accounting community a little bit. Okay, so we've talked a lot about financial planning, the banks. Where do where do CPAs fit into this process? You know, when you when you think of traditionally where financial planning done, it, it's been done mostly through the banks and through independent sort of financial firms. What do you where do you do you see that changing in the future? How do you how do you feel accountants are going to embrace? this type of technology and start to integrate financial planning? Yeah. So I think it's like any other industry, you're going to get the early adopters and then you'll get the midterm adopters and then you get the laggards. But what we're seeing from an early adoption standpoint is, listen, the CPA is a crucial fundamental advisor in the life of any business client. So anybody who is a business owner uh, relies heavily upon their accountant to provide tax planning advice to um, mitigate the taxes that they're paying or to optimize what they're paying, to optimize the structure of their you know, shares and, and, and whatnot within the corporation. And so uh, we see the the CPA is a fundamental partner in this in this planning environment, um, and equipping them with the ability to have technology that can provide planning and partner with firms who are then going to fulfill that. Because of course they're licensed as CPAs; they're not licensed to sell insurance or investments or all these other things that are important to their clients' life. But having again that holistic viewpoint through technology enablement is going to make them that much better at their roles. Uh, my brother is a partner at MNP in uh, in the Lower Mainland, and um, yeah, it's been interesting talking to him over the years about the evolution of that side of the industry. And it's it's you know the same as all the other industries are going through evolution. It's what technology can improve that end consumer or help us deliver a better service than what we're delivering today, ultimately. Yeah, I think every, everybody's striving to be the most valued or most trusted advisor. Yeah. And uh, and it, it is about taking that holistic approach, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'll be interested to follow your story and see whether uh, you end up working with firms like a KPMG or a BDO or an MNP mm-hmm. in terms of those platforms, because, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of that change in the Canadian landscape today. That's also evolved from a regulatory standpoint compared to the United States, which changed in the 90s and really opened that up to the accounting community to 
lean into the wealth management space. We're seeing that in Canada today. Um, you know, firms like BDO are starting to integrate financial planning across the country. So um, I'm sure there's going to be a few of them, you know, after uh, this podcast that may be knocking on your door, wondering uh, about your new technology and how that may fit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the services that you're providing are really valuable in that in that regard as well, because there is this gap, right, where um, I'm even seeing I've got some friends, local friends that are, are accountants and uh, CPAs and recently started their own firm, but um, are looking to they really see the value of the financial plan, because, again, it brings in all the facets that are important to their clients. And so they really see without that there's a bit of a gap in there. The value of their advice is then mitigated to the piece of the pie that they have sight on. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, we, we've talked about the banks, the accountants and large organizations, you know, where does the little guy, where does the little guy fit in here and how, how do they survive these sort of maybe sole proprietor financial advisors or these smaller independent shops? How, how do they, how do they avoid being disrupted? You know, yeah. they don't they don't have the deep pockets like some of those other organizations. Any advice you can give them or any thoughts you have on that? The landscape's been really interesting in Canada. If you watch kind of the evolution of some of these independent boutique firms, they were born out of a, a passion to provide better advice for the end consumer. Typically, that's kind of the genesis of, of mm-hmm. the smaller independent shops and then uh, becoming very uh, focused on a niche. They do this piece really, really well, and then they partner up with others. Uh, And one of the challenges for these firms, biggest challenges is the technological lift, monetarily speaking, to implement an integrated ecosystem. So if we look to our friends to the south, you were talking about the crystal ball and what these RIA models are. This is really the an RIA registered independent advisor model uh, that, that we see kind of popping up in the U.S. is just really an ecosystem of Think about like a CRM tool, speaking to a financial planning tool, speaking to a portfolio management tool, speaking to fulfillment processes, so automated fulfillment of products that are going to fit the solution set. But it's like a whole um, ecosystem of connected support. Uh, Where in Canada right now, um, we are seeing movement the same. So the independent guys, they still have to hold a license somewhere. So they're either contracted through an MGA, through a mutual fund dealer, an IROC dealer, or they registered as portfolio manager. Maybe they're doing exempt market securities. So that's kind of the ecosystem for those individuals. And they may hold one or two licenses uh, in there somewhere. Uh, and so they, they will start to partner more and more with firms. What we're seeing is as we're starting to partner with dealers at the IROC and the mutual fund level, as well as MGAs, they are looking to create that RIA model or that connected ecosystem. And so what we're seeing is a massive value proposition as we at Conquest get integrated into some of these to power the planning needs of these systems. We think that will be a recruiting and retention um, tactic for these independent shops you were talking about to move their licenses to places that have the connected ecosystem. Because otherwise it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars to build these connection points. So like from Salesforce to speak to a Conquest, to speak mm-hmm. to a Fidget, to speak to a Flinks, you know, all of those things are great, but um, it becomes exorbitantly, it's not the right word, expensive. Exorbitant, yeah. Yeah, for for those independents to, to kind of pay out of pocket for that. So they're going to want to license places that they can actually accomplish that. 
Yeah. So that, no, that, that, that makes complete sense that they're going to, they're going to be able to create it at that higher level and then take it down to the smaller uh, financial advisor and planner. So yeah, very cool. That the more that get access across the country, the better this gets. So that's, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's just sw- switch gears a little bit. I want to, you know, I, I, you're very active on LinkedIn, you know, I, and I, you may not, you may not see that, but, um, you know, you've got lots of followers and lots of people that are sort of, uh, connected with you and, and comment on, on what you do. And I've noticed that it's not always about business. You know, there's, you're sort of sharing character with the world and values and different things like that. What, what, what interests you? What, why, why, why do you do that on a regular basis? Uh, so thank you for your comment. I don't think I have that many followers or that I'm, you know, certainly an expert in, in any regard. Um, in some cases, some of my posts have been uh, necessary to reach the people that I couldn't personally get in touch with. I, I love, if, if you know me, you know, I love humans and I love people generally speaking. And I love to, you know, make a variety of relationships with people across different areas. And so, uh, using LinkedIn, has been a way for me to kind of uh, reach those individuals who maybe that I just haven't had capacity to pick up the phone. I do try and stay personally connected with um, my network as much as possible, but you know, three young kids, wife, pilot, uh, you know, fitness enthusiasts, all those other things. There's only so many hours in a day. Um, but I just, I think it's important. We just take a really authentic approach to it. So I am a passionate individual about the things I'm passionate about. And so I, I only turn to that platform and post something when something feels like in my gut, I feel like needs to kind of get out to the world. And so, um, could I be more active on there? Yeah, probably. But I think my advice maybe would be if you're, uh, although I'll caveat with it, I'm no expert and, and you know, wouldn't take credit for that, but it's just to be authentic. I think people will resonate and will interact with you if there's a level of authenticity and, you know, having the title sales in my name can turn a lot of people <laughs> off, you know, just saying there's a perception that, you know, you, you're, you're a salesperson, once a salesperson, always a salesperson. Uh, but I don't see sales as a negative thing I see sales as a way to improve the lives of the people you're connected with as long as you have a solution that's genuinely going to improve what their needs are you're just pushing it to push it then you know that's a different story so yeah I you know I I think you're definitely achieving the authentic part it it definitely resonates that way and I think that's great advice um you know I I've come across a couple of I think they may be quotes yours but it was um you know, Stacy's passionate about dedicating to improving people's well-being through deepening financial literacy, creating meaningful connections for those around her, and striving to inspire people to be bold every day. Passionate about removing obstacles, creating efficiency, and serving those she works with and for. She's drawn to, and I love this, drawn to frictionless experiences and inspired by gritty people. So I, you know, I just, I, anyways, it's been interesting following you, just how you're um, presenting that to the world. Lots of people want to present technically and, you know, what their skills are. And I think that that was just a a unique approach. Tell tell me about the frictionless experience and gritty people. What, 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 why is that uh, something that you're, you're drawn to? 
I read a book one time called uh, Grit. I think Grit by Angela Duck, Duckworth. Duckworth? Tuxworth. <laughs> and she, uh, yeah, just talks about grit and what is grit. And I'm like, yes, that is what grit is. Like it's the tenacity to kind of pick yourself up and get through hard circumstances. And, um, Glennon Doyle is another one of my favorite authors. She talks about doing hard things and we can all do hard things, but that speaks to grit. It's overcoming that inner dialogue in your head that says you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You're not all human, you know, we beat ourselves up. So the gritty people piece is I am very inspired by we've all had those frictionless experiences. Like you hit the, that was easy button. Like, wow, that was so easy. I, I bought a new car actually. So I bought a vehicle in June and, and if you've tried to buy a vehicle in these days, you know, they're hard to come by and there's chip shortages and all these kinds of things. And we had a very specific, I have three kids. So I wanted, you know, big vehicle. And so found, found one. And I literally drove up they handed me the keys to the new vehicle. I handed them the keys in Canmore handed, and I drove away. Does it like it was all done digitally? <laughs> I, had, I didn't have to go through. They didn't look in my car. They didn't anything. Just here you go. Just easy. Yeah, that was easy. So that's a frictionless experience. And I am so grateful for those in my life because I'm so busy that when I have a frictionful experience, like calling maybe a service provider and getting passed through. I won't say who my service provider is, but I had an issue with my cell phone provider for three months this year and back and forth. That does not inspire me. That makes me incredibly frustrated. I had zero mm-hmm. patience for it. So that's where frictionless experiences and gritty people came from. Yeah, that's perfect. I uh, Very well said. And, you know, you, you really, really appreciate those simple, uh, simple experiences and service experiences. So you, you mentioned that that book. Let's talk about other books. I always ask our guests what books they're reading. Are there any uh, any good books that you're uh, other than grit that you're you're into yeah. today? I mean, you see my behind me, I keep rotating books. I'm an avid reader. Um, I I have this one on my desk almost, and you'll notice it's dog-eared, and I refer back to it. So this is one of my favorite books. It's called Competing in the Age of AI uh, by Marco Iancidi and Kareem Lakani, and they're uh, professors at uh, Harvard. And um, if you follow their work, they talk about that converging technology. So they have, you know, great use cases in there, and because as we sell into enterprises at a firm level, the integration from an ecosystem, and they talk about creating sort of um, an AI factory where it kind of go your your inputs come in, it iterates, and you keep improving, keep improving, keep improving, and designing your experience that way. Uh, one of my favorite books, must read if you are you know involved in innovation anywhere in any organization. It's great read. Uh, but then I'm also reading this one called The Motivation Code by Todd Henry. And I just got into this one. My friend Charlene referred it to me. Um, and uh, it talks about, well, I, like, I'm like on page nine, uh, but it talks a little bit more about human psychology. And so as I've matured over the years. I hated psychology in college. I just could hardly stand it because I was very much math and science driven. Um, But I learned to appreciate the nuances of people. And so seeing what motivates us and what keeps us motivated has become an interesting topic for reading for me. So that's 
what I've got on the go. That's cool. I'm sure that, and both those tie into exactly what you're doing with Conquest. I'm sure the psychology of how the tools are being built and how they're resonating with clients is a big part of that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely check those books out. I'll probably download those in Audible when we're done here and uh, I'll let you know uh, what I think. They, they sound like great books. Um, other resources, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, you know, if people want to learn more about financial planning technology or, uh, you know, just around that, or if they want to get in touch with you or Conquest, what's what's the best way they should go about doing that? Follow us on LinkedIn and you can just send me a message on LinkedIn. You know, I assume you'll put our my contact details available will yeah. be linked to this, this podcast. So um, you can just send me a message directly. I read everything myself and respond to everything myself and uh, we'll be happy to get you more information. And you're, you're very well, you're very knowledgeable in this area. What other resources do you reach out to and lean on? Obviously you're reading some books. Are there any other great, great uh, places that people can go to learn more about this area? Oh, we do all kinds of market research. I'm, I'm trying to think where I would point you. We, um, yeah, there's an inaugural event coming up on the fintech, uh, Canadian tech event, uh, finance tech event. Um, maybe we can do it as an add on after and I'll get you the link. Yeah, to it. But any sort of educational events, there's, there's a lot, and there's even government sponsored programs that are trying to put more rigor around it, um, to make financial literacy accessible to more people. And, like even the marginalized groups, you know, you think about some of our communities and, um, you know, uh, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, that there's a lot of people that don't have access to sort of good advice and, and understanding what that looks like. So uh, we are uh, always active in as many as the, the events that we can just from a learning perspective. And we interview our clients a lot as well. So we take a lot of feedback from those we're partnered with. Um, it's a unique thing. I think the, the CEO, so Mark and our chief product officer, Ken Lataki is constantly on the phone with our end users actually to gather feedback and understand what the pain points are so we can constantly be iterating the solution. And so I think having that, that attitude of educating ourselves continually is really a key in driving the future. And I think it's the same for all of us that we need to have sort of these learning mentalities rather than um, we know it all mentalities because yeah. we never will. So, well, that's, you know, we often spend time trying to figure out the how instead of the who. And uh, on that note, I want, you know, you're an expert in your field. Um, I appreciate you offering to be a resource to our audience. And I want to just thank you so much for taking your time today to uh, uh, sit with us here and uh, share your experience. Uh, There's so many exciting things that are going on with Conquest. Um, We are very excited on the Wealth Coast side. I know we're going to continue to have some conversations with your team. We're excited about that. And uh, I wish you all the best in your new role. I I know uh, you guys will do great things here in the years ahead. And thank you again, Stacey, for your time today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us on. We're really passionate about uh, what we're doing in the space and grateful for opportunities to partner with companies like Wealthco and uh, to have a conversation like this with you. It's it's fun for me. I love these kinds of conversations, you know, again, like because we can't see everybody in person, but yeah. uh, really nice to connect. And thank you so much for having me on today. 
Thanks again, Stacey. And that ends this edition of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Thank you to our audience again for taking the time to join us and listen today. We hope you had uh, uh, some great value out of that discussion with Stacey Houston. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovative Accountant Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show and maybe even learned something new. If you're interested in transforming your client experience to create sustainable firm growth, get in touch with us by visiting integratedadvisory.ca to set up your free call with one of our integrated advisory experts. Visit integratedadvisory.ca to schedule your free call today. And we will see you next time right here on the Innovative Accountant Podcast. Production of the podcast is by At Heart Branding Co. and can be found online at atheart.co. That's A-T-H-E-A-R-T dot C-O.